Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Sal Vetri Show. The DFS clip you're about to hear originally aired on my YouTube channel. And before we get into it, you can leave a five-star review. If you can subscribe, download to the podcast, like and share, whatever you have to do, I greatly appreciate that. Helps the podcast out a lot. Helps us reach more people. What I would hope is this beneficial content. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel. It's the final thoughts video. Final thoughts, quote unquote. We're still going to have some closing thoughts on Patreon on Sunday. But it's the final thoughts video for this YouTube for this week, NFL Week 7. Hope you're all having a fantastic week, right? We got Thursday night football tonight, whether you're watching this on Thursday. If you're watching it later in the week, hopefully you're having a good start to your weekend. I'm going to break down where I'm currently at, right? Towards the end of the the regular week into the weekend. And then some things will change based on injury news. But for right now, I feel pretty secure at where we're at. A good amount of research in so far. And I want to share that research with each and every one of you. Appreciate each and every one of you. We have about 12,500, over 12,500 subscribers now. So thank you all so much. appreciate you continuing to tune into these videos. It's, it's the best job I could ever ask for, as point blank as that. So really, honestly, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You can roam around in the description down below. Some free strategy guides, my social medias. I, I highly recommend you follow me on Twitter, posting a bunch of nuggets on Twitter as well. Totally free to do that. It's in this video somewhere on my screen. I don't know which way I'm looking at it, but it's at DFS on Twitter. And my exclusive content on Patreon is linked down below. Uh, the Patreons over there, we have about 240 now. Continue to get more people into that community. Continue to have more content each and every week on Patreon. Probably more content overall than putting out on YouTube right now, um, which it's it's definitely busy during the NFL season, but busy is better in my opinion. So with all that said, if you could hit the subscribe button, I greatly appreciate it. Hit the like button. And if you're listening on the audio version, if you could hit a five-star review after or before, next time you listen to this, it takes a couple seconds. It really helps on the Apple iTunes store to reach more people, one of the biggest podcast platforms. Thank you if you're listening there. And if you're watching on the YouTube video and you have the, the ability to see what's behind my screen, it's a target offense sheet. Um, and yeah, that is something that is provided on Patreon. You can take a screenshot of it right now if you want. I don't know if the quality will be good, but there you go. And let's get into the video. Why not, right? Let's start with uh, quarterbacks. I'll also let you know that next Tuesday starts the NBA season, and I plan on doing daily NBA videos. You're going to have to see during the NFL season how many I can get out, but I'm trying to do seven days a week. Um, so we'll see about that. With that said, right now I have interest in seven quarterbacks. Sounds like a lot, but for the most part, only have yeses on four of them. We'll start with Kyler Murray. Look, Kyler Murray's going to be facing a bottom seven pass defense, bottom seven pressure defense in the New York Giants. It's really bad there. It's really bad. Look, Baker on the outside, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Grant Haley in the slot is the actual worst slot cornerback in the league right now, giving up the most yardage in the slot. And he has a hundred, um, over a 120 pass rating against him. It's bottom 20 in the league. But in terms of his yardage, giving up receptions and pass rating, when you factor all those, he's the worst slot cornerback in the league. And then Janoris Jenkins on the outside. Oh, you saw Janoris Jenkins intercept the ball or two this year? Yeah, it doesn't matter. He's giving up over 300 yards so far. Over 25 receptions so far and three touchdowns in the air via a measly six games. Yes, he's getting absolutely torched. Uh, and here's the thing. Janoris Jenkins is not a slot cornerback, but he's going to be forced to play in the slot if indeed Christian Kirk can play this weekend. Monitor Christian Kirk's status, but if he plays, they're going to go very heavy. Christian Kirk, 82% of his routes out of the slot, 90 plus percent of the snaps for Larry Fitzgerald out of the slot. Very heavy four wide receiver sets, that means, when you have two slot receivers on the field at the same side, right? Same time, right? So what that's going to end up having to do is Grant Haley will be in the slot on one of Christian Kirk and or switching up with Larry Fitzgerald. Then you're going to have to force another guy into the slot. 
the second most snaps played on the slot or played in the slot by a cornerback for the Giants this year. Yeah, Janoris Jenkins. Both those guys are terrible. Really good matchup for Kyler Murray and his receivers. Really good matchup overall, especially when you factor in that bottom 10 pressure rate, bottom seven pressure rate for the Giants. That's going to lead to a lot more just open lanes for Kyler Murray to use his legs. And we know the upside there, Kyler Murray on the slate coming in with the second most rushing yards per game at 40 yards per game, 39.7 to be exact. Interest there for sure at 6,700. You got to pay up for it a little bit, um, but it's definitely uh, viable. Matt Ryan at 6,300 in this game that has the highest total in the slate in a game where it looked like it was going to be fantastic. Marcus Peters traded away. Um, John Johnson gets put on IR, a safety for the Rams, a guy who was really good for them last year, not so much this year. Uh, but again, a starting safety gone. Uh, obviously, Akib Talib was placed on IR, all these things. And then Jalen Ramsey trade happens, and it seems like Jalen Ramsey is excited and ready to play this weekend, which is obviously not great for top dollar Julio Jones. But even then, it's still a very good matchup on the other side of the field and in the middle of the field against this Rams defense. So Matt Ryan at 6,300, a guy who's had 300 plus passing yards in every single game, a guy whose defense cannot stop any offense, even a struggling Rams offense should have success on the road even, though they're going to be playing in Atlanta in the dome, should have a lot of success, leads to more Matt Ryan pass attempts. Matt Ryan attempting 43 passes per game. Yes, I do like Matt Ryan's chances in this game that has the highest total on the slate. His team, not the highest total, but highest game total of 53.5 but a very favorable team total of 25.25. It projects out to be a very fast-paced game. I do indeed like that. Now, as I pull up Jared Goff, look, Jared Goff, all of his receivers are in great spots. Every single player on this Atlanta secondary, as I pull up this game now right now on my on my phone here with my notes, and the game-by-game notes can actually be found on Patreon, but every single receiver, and it's it's a 15-page, $6,000, or $6,000, 6,000-word document, but every single receiver has a good matchup, whether it's Cooper Cup in the slot against KZ, uh, Demonte KZ, whether it's Brandon Cooks on the outside against Isaiah Oliver, whether it's Robert Woods on the outside versus Kendall Sheffield. Every single one of them, according to Pro Football Focus, has a percent and a decent percent, 10-plus percent, 20-plus uh, for most of them percent chance of having the more beneficial matchup there, which is a big number. If you look at pro football focus numbers, all those receivers have an advantage. You have Jared Goff now, but it seems like a healthy Todd Gurley back in the backfield coming off of the last game that Gurley played 93% of the snaps. And you have Jared Goff coming off the worst game of his career, getting an ideal rebound spot. Now, again, the narrative is Jared Goff on the road are not good. I get it, but they're playing in Atlanta against this defense that is allowing the most fantasy points per game, 23 point. Um, or I believe it is it is 26.4 as of right now. Most fantasy points, slightly more than Miami's 26.2 per game to the quarterback position. Look, if you have Sean McVay as your coach and you have a game where you throw for less than 80 passing yards, you better be damn sure that the next week all you're doing is focusing on scheming players open. And they were open. Jared Goff just wasn't hitting them. The problem with Jared Goff is when he faces pressure, he becomes an absolute donkey and a potato in the pocket, right? Well, He's not facing the San Francisco 49ers top three pressure rate. He's facing the bottom half of the league, number 17 overall pressure rate in the Atlanta Falcons this week, according to Pro Football Focus. Jared Goff might be the best quarterback playing the slate. I really like him. All right, real quick before we keep going, guys, I just want to stop by quick and let you know about Fantasy Draft. They're revolutionizing the way that people play daily fantasy sports. And I don't want to do a complete ad read, but pretty much what it is is, oh, my glasses almost fell. Pretty much what you're getting from Fantasy Draft is just rake free right? You can just pay for your transaction. They'll take a transaction fee of like 3% instead of you getting charged 10 to 17% upwards, or maybe even sometimes 20 if you're really unlucky on DraftKings and FanDuel. What is Rake? It's just a management maintenance fee. It's pretty much like if you're doing stocks, you have to pay somebody to take care of it for you. Well, that's what you're doing for DraftKings. They're sucking 15% off of all those tournaments. So what you get on Fantasy Draft is if you're finishing second and third, 
flatter payouts one so you're winning more money if you finish high up and you don't bink first well you're not instead of winning third place for 10k you're winning third play for third place for 30 or 40k you're winning a lot more and also if you finish uh in the the top 20 percent on DraftKings, you're barely eking in in a lot of tournaments fantasy draft you finish in the top like 30 percent on some of these contests you're winning so check out fantasy draft for sure they're a proud sponsor of this show i play on fantasy draft now i love the two flex format i'm getting a lot of people's reactions that they like it as well so in the link down below you can get linked to it i don't make any money off that it helps it track it that it came from here so if you want to click that link it does help me in that sense but check it out let's get back to this video josh allen my final yes the price tag of 6500 you can see usually i like guys below 6k not a lot of options there in, in my opinion this week Josh Allen against Miami. Miami's allowing the second most fantasy points per game on this slate right behind Atlanta. Pretty much a virtual tie at 26.2 fantasy points per game. Yes, I do indeed like this matchup for Josh Allen, the guy who was rushing the second most attempts per game on the ground at eight, a little over eight attempts per game. He's rushing for a little over 31 rushing yards per game. Obvious upside there. They scheme for him in the red zone on the ground. It's a good spot. Usually you have concerns over a wide spread like this, but Miami is sort of the, the cheat code for that, right? Tom Brady had like one of the worst performances for a QB against Miami, and he still went for 25 fantasy points. We know Lamar had his ceiling game week one. We know Dak Prescott touched pretty much 30 fantasy points. Phillip Rivers had a really good game. This Miami defense is just absolutely torn apart. Even if they get Xavier and Howard back this week, practice in a limited vi- uh, variety on Wednesday and Thursday, I don't think it will matter all that much for Miami really good matchup for Josh Allen I think you can run him naked due to his rushing upside especially around the goal line Gardner Minshew is a maybe the only reason I'm not getting to a ton of Gardner Minshew this is the fan a fantastic spot for both Jacksonville players not only Jacksonville players in terms of the passing game obviously Leonard Fournette every single piece of this Jacksonville offense is in a fantastic spot I'm gonna let you know I'm not getting to as much Gardner Minshew when we get to the running backs but hint hint it's because Leonard Fournette I'm gonna get to a lot of Leonard Fournette I'm not going to be stacking Gardner Minshew with Leonard Fournette. But Sal, Leonard Fournette's leading the league in route runs. He's averaging over seven fantasy points per game in the receiving game. Yeah, but more times than not, Leonard Fournette's receptions help Leonard Fournette, not Gardner Minshew. They correlate very poorly. If Leonard Fournette catches five balls for 25 yards, that's a good amount of points for Leonard Fournette. 7.5, there's his average. But you know what that is for Gardner Minshew? Five catches for Leonard Fournette for 25 yards? It's one fantasy point. Not enough correlation there for me. And if I'm going to get a lot of Leonard Fournette or have a lot of interest in him this week, there's a really good chance. Even at a favorable price point of 5,400, I don't get to Minshew. But that does not mean you should not play him or have some exposure to him. Here's the deal. Cincinnati secondary ranks bottom four in the league. You know what they're not going to have this week? A bottom four secondary or bottom five, I guess you can say. They're not going to have their two starting cornerbacks. Yes, Drake Kirkpatrick's out a month, and William Jackson III uh, is going to be out, who actually leads the team in coverage snaps at cornerback, is going to be out for at least uh, a couple of weeks. So they're already bottom four in the league. Now they're missing their two top cornerbacks. Yeah, it's going to be a field day for the likes of Chris Conley and DJ Shark on the outside. And B.W. Webb is their slot corner who's been okay, but so far throughout his career, not the greatest. Yeah, really favorable spot, in my opinion, for Gardner Minshew. Next up, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson against Seattle. I like Lamar Jackson. I don't like many of his pieces. Maybe Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown, even if he plays dealing with an injury. Really difficult matchup for Mark a- or for Hollywood Brown against Shaq Griffin. Yes, Lamar Jackson is facing a bottom 10 pressure rate. Eighth worst in the league is Seattle so far. Jadanium Cloudy has not got off to a good start. This is a good spot to get Lamar Jackson rushing upside more so than passing upside in my opinion. Daniel Jones is the final guy that I have interest in, and it depends on what his team looks like. It seems like Evan Ingram and Saquon will return, but it doesn't seem like Sterling Shepard will return. That said, 
you have a good matchup in the slot for Golden Tate this week against Arizona and Tremaine Brock. You have a good matchup individually for Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley to an extent, although he's expensive. I like Daniel Jones, but at his price range, I'd much rather have Jared Goff. I'd much rather have Matt Ryan. So as of right now, I'm actually going to make Jared Daniel Jones a no live on this video and podcast. Uh, let's get over to the running backs page, and I'm going to wait for these lawnmowers to pass real quick. One second. All right, the windblower guy is gone. He seemed like a nice man, but now we're on to the running backs. So Starting this off on running backs right now, if you're listening on the podcast, I have 11 people starred here. If you're entering 150 line, I'm sure have more if you would like. But for the most part, right now, I only have 11 guys. We'll start with Dalvin Cook. He's in a good spot. My concern with Dalvin Cook is this is actually a tough matchup. He personally is fine, right? $8,000 price point comes down. Matchup, not that great. Out of 22 teams on the slate, his offensive line against the Lions defensive line, eighth worst matchup on the slate. This is if Mike Daniels doesn't play. If Mike Daniels plays, he's one of the best run stoppers in the league, one of the best defensive linemen in the league. He missed last game against the Packers and his return home to Green Bay. He missed on Monday Night Football. But if he doesn't play, did not practice on Wednesday, well, then it's a slightly better matchup for Dalvin Cook, of course, but still a tough matchup. That said, it doesn't um, project out to be any very neutral or very negative game script for Dalvin Cook. And we know this team wants to heavily rely on the run. Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs. I believe he's still rated the highest running back according to Pro Football Focus. He leads all running backs in DR. He's a guy who is not only getting it done on the ground with 16 red zone rushing attempts, 18 reds, oh, 18 rushing, rushing attempts per game, but he's also now seeing targets, over four targets per game. David Johnson had a little bit of a scare, right, the back injury, and then on Wednesday doesn't practice because of a newfound ankle injury, but on Thursday, he seemed to return to practice and seems good to go against the Giants defense that is just very porous overall, but on the ground, they're not the worst. Here's the concern with me for David Johnson. Yes, he's 7,800. more you can get Dalvin Cook. Yes, he's 7,800. $800 more you can get Leonard Fournette. Like, I like David Johnson, but the most of his work comes in the passing game. And if Christian Kirk's going to come back, that's surely going to be taking away the emphasis for using David Johnson in the passing game. Still going to be used some, of course, but is it worth paying up to that price point and missing out on paying up for other positions and or missing out on the mid-range of running backs, paying up a wide receiver, whatever it might be. I think David Johnson's in a very good pace spot. I think his workload will be fine, especially when you factor in that he's averaging the second most targets per game at the running back position only behind Austin Eckler at 6.8 per game on this slate at least right not considering Christian McCaffrey or anything like that and then he's also averaging or he is leading in terms of the third most routes run behind Leonard Fournette behind Christian McCaffrey so lots of work in the receiving game we haven't seen it on the ground and mainly because his offensive line is terrible like it is it is the I believe the worst matchup and I'll look at my phone it is the worst matchup when you look at his offensive line versus the defensive line that he's going up against, that's not great. So for $200 more, I get a better matchup for Dalvin Cook, who has a better role on the ground. Maybe not as good of a role in the receiving game, but I don't think it's as big of a drop-off as you get for David Johnson's ground game work, especially when you factor in what they're going to be doing when they get to the uh, red zone, where Kyler Murray so far is top two on this slate in red zone passing attempts, only behind Aaron Rodgers. So Next up, Leonard Fournette. It's a smash spot. It's a smash spot. He leads, the, he leads the entire league in routes run by 10 for running backs, 10 more than Christian McCaffrey. He's averaging over seven fantasy points per game just in the air. He only has one touchdown, but he also has, when you factor in one touchdown, he has 16 red zone rushing attempts. He's averaging the most touches or opportunities per game at 25.2. He's averaging almost 20 touches per game on the ground, six targets per game. He's facing a team that's giving up the most fantasy points per game to the running back position in the Cincinnati Bengals at 36.1. And he's also facing a team in the Bengals that yeah they're giving up a lot of fantasy points to running backs they're giving up 
the fourth most receptions, second most receiving yards, second most um, rushing yards, and the most touchdowns throughout the air to the running backs. Leonard Fournette here is in an absolute smash spot for a guy who just doesn't leave the field 93% of the snaps this year. I love it. Joe Mixon, and eh, Joe Mixon's a yes. I might make him a maybe. Joe Mixon's concern is he's only run 20 routes the last two weeks. That's not good in games where his team has been trailing a lot. The upside is now he's facing Jacksonville, where his team, who is a bad offensive line in general, they have a couple of offensive linemen returning this week. They should be scheduled to get two of their offensive linemen back. But even when you factor that in, as a cop car comes by us right now, ooh, there it is. Even when you factor that in, yikes, that's an ambulance. See you later. Even when you factor that in, it's still a scary spot at $5,000 for sure. There's some other players around that range, and we're about to talk to them or talk about them. I'm going to make Joe Mixon an X on this sheet as we do this live. It's just a little bit of a concern, especially when you factor in the other players around him and how some injuries on the opposing teams that those running backs are facing might open up their upside a little bit more. Joe Mixon here is somebody who is surely getting um, a very bad season due to his offensive line, but now he gets a matchup that is favorable, price points favorable. It's an interesting spot. Marlon Mack, I like. Marlon Mack's offensive line has the best matchup against the defensive line of the Houston Texans when it comes to run blocking, not pass protection. We know the Texans have J.J. Watt and Merculus and some pretty good pass rushers. We're talking about on the ground. It's a really good spot for Marlon Mack coming out of a bye. The guy who leads the slate per game in terms of how often he gets the ball on the ground, 20.2 times. It's more than Leonard Fournette per game. He's getting a ton of attempts per game, a ton of looks. The only problem is he only gets 1.8 targets per game. That's something that has to change, but he's factoring in that he has right now 14 red zone rushing attempts, and this is a guy who was playing a little bit limited one game, and this is a guy who missed a game, not missed a game, but his whole team was on by. At $6,000, I do like it. I prefer pass catching running backs, but I do think it's in play. You have this range of, of Joe Mixon, on Johnson, and, and then you can factor in Josh Jacobs in that range of $5,000 and $5,100 for on of running backs that are just in weird pricing spots, right? Guys that I, I don't really want to play, but their price makes me want to play them a little bit more, but there's so many of them to choose from. on against Minnesota, it's an okay matchup, believe it or not, for this de- offensive line of Minnesota or, or Detroit against the defensive line of Minnesota. Now, Minnesota is known for stopping the run, have not allowed all that many fantasy points to running backs, some of the fewest on the slate at 19.6 per game on the year. But that being said, you are getting on Johnson in a spot where his offensive line is as healthy as it, as it has been all year. Um, and he does have some passing game involvement uh, compared to some of the other guys in this range when you look at uh, the, the Derrick Henrys of the world and you look at the Josh Jacobs. That said, though, 5100 you're really playing him for the price. And I probably just stick to Kenny Galladay in this game. We'll get to that in a second. Saquon Barkley against Arizona. The price point's kind of restrictive, but if he stays at single-digit 5% ownership, I'll get to some Saquon Barkley. That said, though, I'm not going to get there. If I'm going to get to so much Leonard Fournette, and yes, Leonard Fournette's in a smash spot, um, then it's really going to be hard for me to want to get to also Saquon Barkley and spend pretty much 16000 exactly $15,900 on my running backs. It's just really hard uh, for me to want to get to it there. Chris Carson's in an interesting spot because people think Baltimore's run defense is terrible. It's not. Nick Chubb had one very good game against them when his team in Cleveland ran 12 personnel, which means you have two tight ends on the field against a Baltimore team that did not have Williams, one of their top two, maybe at worst three run stoppers on the field in the middle of that defensive line. So what happens? You put two tight ends on the field. You're able to run very easily. And then an 85 yard gets busted out and it looks like a huge game against you. And it was for Nick Chubb. But other than that, this team's only giving up 3.3 yards per carry to running backs if you factor out that game. And there's no way in hell Seattle can run 12 personnel. They just put Will Disley on IR and they traded Nick Vanna to the Steelers. Luke Wilson is pretty much their only tight end that they can rely on. So I doubt they're going to run two tight end sets all that often. 
Now, the upside for Chris Carson is the price point of 6,500. The fact that he's played 80 plus percent of the snaps each of the last two weeks. The fact that he's being involved more in the receiving game. And if he continues to play 80 plus percent of the snaps, I believe that he will continue to see a very, um, a, a floor of maybe four targets where he's averaging three and a half targets per game right now. Chris Carson is a guy who's getting 19.67 rushing attempts per game on the ground. That's second on the slate per game, only behind uh, one Marlon Mack. You also factor in that Chris Carson right now has 20 red zone rushing attempts. I mean, this guy is just getting the ball nonstop. If you want to see a running back clinic, watch Nick Chubb and Chris Carson's highlights against each other last week in the Browns versus, um, well, not directly against each other, but their teams playing each other in the Browns versus Seahawks games. They were both putting on an elusiveness clinic, a breaking tackles, a cutting, a juking. It was insane. $6,500. He's surely in play. He probably deserves a yes instead of a no, but I'm very down on this whole Seattle offense in a game where, yes, this Baltimore defense in the secondary has been bad, but they just added Marcus Peters. You're going to have Marlon Humphrey shadow Tyler Lockett into the slot um, and Jimmy Smith starting to practice. So it's a scary spot overall for the whole team of Seattle, but not even that. Even Chris Carson against a run defense that I think, again, 3.3 yards per carry outside of the game that they were missing one of their better defensive interior players and that Nick Chubb in Cleveland was running 12 personnel majority of the game. Derek Henry at 5,800. He's similar to Marlon Mack in that he's not using the passing game all that much, but Derrick Henry, he's on pace for over 300 carries. This is a guy that per game right now, Derrick Henry is seeing 18.83, 18.8 to be exact, touches per game on the ground. He's seeing two targets per game, which is actually better than you would expect from Derrick Henry. He's actually seeing more targets per game. It's like one or two overall in the season, but better overall usage. Um, than you're seeing from Marlon Mack slightly. The other upside for Derrick Henry is that Melvin Ingram, the uh, linebacker, very good linebacker for the Colts, is dealing with a hamstring injury. We'll see if he suits up. He did not practice on Wednesday, and I'm waiting to see the reports on Thursday. But that is another good spot for Derrick Henry. Uh, The overall upside here is that Ryan Tannehill is starting. You imagine they lean more on Derrick Henry. In any game that is in a neutral to positive game script, they project out to be home favorites here, should favor Derrick Henry to touch the ball at least 18 plus times. More times than not, if he's going to be seeing at least three, maybe four red zone attempts per game. He usually finds his way in there for one or two scores. So Derrick Henry's in play, even though he has a lack of a passing game role. Next up on the slate, Devonta Freeman, I think is interesting at 5,400 because I think the price point's too cheap, but his main upside's in the receiving game against now a defense that obviously has Aaron Donald up front and his offensive line has the third worst advantage on the slate against the Rams' defensive line. Look, his offensive line has been holding up in pass protection very well. But when it comes to run blocking, no, they are not opening up lanes. They can keep the defenders in the pass rush off of Matt Ryan, but they cannot push defenders away enough to open up lanes. So there's a big difference there. It's not a good spot for Devonta Freeman on the ground, although he is starting to break free a little bit, at least as of last week, from Ito Smith in the backfield. He's averaging closer to 4.8 targets per game. That's where mainly his upside's coming from, it is in the receiving game. And at 5,400, you can have Devonta Freeman for his receiving game upside and on the ground, not so much. Or you can just pay $400 more for Derrick Henry for his overall ground upside for not a receiving game. It's really a preference thing, and I think I lean Derrick Henry a little bit more because I think he sees overall more opportunities and more opportunities around the red zone. Um, Right now, Devonta Freeman, only nine red zone carries. Josh Jacobs is the last guy that I have some interest in against Green Bay, who has no wide receivers healthy right now through two practices. Their main guys are not practicing. No Adams, I doubt he plays. No Allison, I doubt he plays. They had to sign Ryan Grant, former Raider. Revenge game for Ryan Grant. Uh, I doubt he plays all that much if he even plays at all on a short week for him. Uh, And then MVS has not been practicing. Jimmy Graham has not been practicing. This game is probably going to be closer than the seven-point spread indicates. And even if it is a seven-point win for the Packers, I doubt it's in blowout fashion. Josh Jacobs coming off the bye. They hinted that they wanted to get him more in the receiving game and utilize more in the receiving game. Um, So I expect Josh Jacobs to be a guy who is going to be 
game scripted in a little bit more. A guy who has 14 red zone rushing attempts so far this year on the season. I am in favor of Josh Jacobs this week. He's at the exact same price point, though, and this is the only concern that I have. The exact same price point you're seeing on Josh Jacobs as Joe Mixon. It's really a tough decision for me. Mixon in the better overall matchup spot, probably, um, for the Packers who got Dean Lowry to be 100% healthy last week on the defensive interior. Looked like Mike Daniels out there. Honestly, he was absolutely stonewalling on Johnson on every single one of his carries. If that holds up, this Packers run defense that was torched by the Eagles, torched to an extent by the Broncos, torched by Dalvin Cook, might actually be better than expected. I think that I prefer... If these injuries for the Packers hold up Josh Jacobs a little bit more than Joe Mixon, just based on snaps um, overall throughout the season that we've seen, and just based on really overall production, um, it's really hard for me to trust uh, Joe Mixon that much, but at the price tag, maybe a little bit more, but I'm going to slightly edge out uh, having Josh Jacobs there. Guys who just missed the cut for me, Carlos Hyde, I think, is in a good situation against Indy, still getting a ton of goal line carries, averaging 16 and a half attempts per game. Jamal Williams, not a guy that I really want to play all that much, but I do prefer him to his teammate, Aaron Jones. All right, so the wide receiver sheet now. We got, what do we got? We got 18 names on the wide receiver sheet, people. That's not too many compared to most weeks where we have like 24 names. So I try to filter it down a lot. I'll talk about some players that I have his nose right now and why, but just starting at the top, uh, this is not an order of preference. It's an order of like the salary based on if they're a yes or no or the the name. I don't know what it is, but whatever it might be. Wide receiver preference. I like uh, uh, Cooper Cup. I like all the the Rams receivers. They're all yeses right now. Uh, If I had to differentiate them for tournaments, I like Cup. Cooks, Woods for for cash. I like Cup, Woods, Cooks. Just flip those last two guys for obvious reasons of Cooks being the bigger play upside guy and Woods probably going to see more targets more times than not on the season. He's averaging 2.3 more targets than Cooks, whereas Cup is averaging right now three more targets than Woods and he's averaging over five more targets than Cooks. So yeah, I know that Cooks left one of those games with an injury, but either way, Cooper Cup is the guy that I like from that Rams game the most. All these guys have beneficial matchups. I named their matchups when we were talking about Goff. They all have good matchups. They're all favorably priced. I think Cup is favorably priced. I think his ownership will be naturally reduced or lower than it should be coming into this game because he let people down last week. And he didn't let people down when you're getting open and your quarterback is throwing and uh, short hopping balls to your feet. Uh, That's not great. So yes, I like all those guys just hitting on them at once. Larry Fitzgerald in the slot. We'll see what Christian Kirk does. I actually want Christian Kirk to play. I, I think it might sound counterintuitive that it hurts Fitzgerald, but I actually think it helps him in terms of them getting to the red zone easier. And we know what a red zone target that Larry Fitzgerald has been so far this year with seven red zone targets is tied for second on this slate, tied with a couple of guys. A couple of guys are tied with first on this slate at eight, and I believe only one person has nine red zone targets at the wide receiver position all year, but that person is not on this slate. So Fitzgerald, we already talked about it, whether it's Grant Haley, whether it's Janoris Jenkins, fantastic matchup in the slot. And if if you're going to have Christian Kirk out, they'll run a lot more 11 personnel, meaning three wide receivers, which means that his primary defender will be Grant Haley, the guy who's given up the most yards in the slot by over 30 yards, I think 36 to be exact, out of any other cornerback this season. Yeah, really good spot for Fitzgerald. Really, either way, I just like Kirk being in there because they'll be able to move the ball, the ball easier and have more red zone attempts, which is where Fitzgerald, for the most part, is going to make or break you in a GPP if he scores a touchdown or not. DJ Shark, man, I like DJ Shark a lot. Uh, and the problem with liking DJ Shark so much, and it's a good problem to have, and it's not much of a problem depending on your preference at running back, but if you're playing a lot of Leonard Fournette and you have a lot of DJ Shark, you're really relying on that Jags offense led by Gardner Minshew in a very good matchup, as we already said against the Bengals, but you're really relying on it in a lot of spots. So this matchup for DJ Shark, again, no William Jackson the third, Again, no Drake Kirkpatrick. Their top two cornerbacks on already a bottom five pass coverage defense in the league are going to be out. Nobody's played anywhere near the amount of snaps on the outside that these guys have. DJ Shark, according to Pro Football Focus, projected matchup this weekend's against Tony McRae. 
I thought that was a basketball player. Tony McRae, 49 coverage snaps this season. Obviously has not played much, right? He's a fourth string cornerback. He's had seven targets his way, giving up six receptions. That's not good. Only 35 yards. Eh, that's okay then, right? I imagine a lot of those snaps are in the slot though, um, behind BW Webb. He's now projected to face DJ Shark on the outside. DJ Shark who's seeing 7.3 targets per game. DJ Shark who, uh, as of right now, is averaging 88 receiving yards per game. Um, and seeing 39.6% of the Jaguars passing yards in terms of their air yards, not passing yards, uh, air yards. So really good spot for DJ Shark. T.Y. Hilton against Houston. Yeah, I like T.Y. Hilton. I like T.Y. Hilton um, regardless this week. So T.Y. Hilton coming off the bye, he should be healthier. He's going to be playing Houston this week. And, and Jonathan Joseph did miss last week. So he missed last week. At the, I don't think he practiced Wednesday. He practiced in a limited fashion. But T.Y. Hilton... It doesn't matter if Jonathan Joseph plays. People know the name. People know he's a solid cornerback, I guess you can say. But through five games, Jonathan Joseph is allowing a 69% completion percentage, 20 receptions through five games for 234 yards and a touchdown. That's just him. And he's not going to shadow T.Y. Hilton. He's not going to stick with him 100% of the snaps. So that's just him when wide receivers go against him, not even this whole secondary. So if that's the best person that you're going to be possibly putting on TY when your safeties have been banged up, whether it's Gibson, whoever it might be in your secondary have been banged up, being limited participants for most of the weeks um, leading up to this game. Yeah, I like TY Hilton here. And it's not even just liking him because of that. The price point of 5,900. Um, how don't you like that? How don't you like a guy who can break the slate at that price point with consistency? Like he'll break the slate, but he'll also get you 17 fantasy points with some sort of consistency or he'll just break the slate and go for 30, right? Uh, T.Y. Hilton is too cheap for that. Will Fuller, some people are are comparing him. Oh, but Will Fuller is $6,000. No, it's not the same. Will Fuller will light it up two times, three times a year. T.Y. Hilton will light it up two, three, four times a year, but also be consistent in the weeks that he's not lighting it up, not get you single-digit points. So I like that. Christian Kirk, if he plays, I like him. We already talked about the, the matchup so much. Christian Kirk is averaging 9.3 targets per game when he's actually out there and playing. I like it. The volume's there. He's he's Kirk's, uh, or he is um, Tyler Murray's favorite target. D.D. Westbrook, similar to... So D.D. Westbrook's going to face the only stable quarterback now in Cincinnati, B.W. Webb in the slot. B.W. Webb's actually been pretty solid this year. I believe he's only given up nine receptions for around 110 yards on the year. Um, that's really solid for a slot cornerback. That still being said, D.D. Westbrook, I do trust him. His target share is coming up, averaging 7.5 targets per week, and B.W. Webb is by no means a world beater. Uh, he just has not been targeted heavily in that slot. So uh, I think only 11 targets so far this year. So I do like D.D. Westbrook's volume coming out of the slot. Kenny Galladay is the only piece I really like for Minnesota, and Kenny Galladay is going to get Trey Waynes. What, Sal? You don't think he's going to get Xavier Rhodes? No, Xavier Rhodes is not good. Trey Waynes is their number one cornerback right now. That's how they've been approaching it the past couple of weeks, but it doesn't matter. Um, Kenny Galladay is averaging nine targets per week. Very sneakily, he's averaging nine targets a week. I don't even know if sneakily is a word, but let me pull up right now uh, on the game-by-game notes, which you can get, again, the game-by-game notes in full in the in the um, Patreon. Kenny Galladay, even in a matchup against Trey Waynes in six games, Trey Waynes is giving up 27 receptions in six games. That's absolutely unreal. Almost five receptions a game. Unreal. 259 yards and two touchdowns. Um, it's just a really good spot for Kenny Galladay, regardless, playing close to 90% of the snaps. We know the upside there. John Brown, I do like. John Brown, even if Xavier Howard plays, I like that. Xavier Howard has the third highest passer rating against him. Very limited sample of like three or four games. I think it's three actually because of the buy and then he missed a week. But very limited sample, meant before. Very limited sample for a guy, 143 passer rating against. Out of cornerbacks that have at least 100 or more coverage snaps, that's the third worst in the league. Not good for Xavier Howard. John Brown, if indeed Xavier Howard does play, practice in a limited participant uh, on Wednesday. It's still a good spot for John Brown. 
Mike Williams, good spot. I'm very worried. It's a good spot because of the price point. I'm worried about the upside or I would say his upside being suppressed by a blanket coverage Texans or Titans secondary. Uh, But on the outside at that price point, if they do have time and the Titans don't get that much pressure, so you should see some more time um, for Phillip Rivers. If they do have time, you can see some shots pay off. And Mike Williams should have had over 100 yards in that primetime game. Um, that just pass against the Steelers. He just dropped like a 40 plus yard catch that might've ended in a touchdown. Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs. Um, I think they're both at favorable price points. I prefer Thielen because he's moved around the field much more to be avoiding the coverage of Darius Slay. But even then, Darius Slay has not been fantastic this year. People like lock on cornerbacks that have a solid year, like Slay had a fantastic year last year. And then they, and I get it, he's been injured this year, but then they lock on that cornerback like Xavier Rhodes. And for three years straight, they go, he's a top three corner in the league. Just look at the stats. Like these guys are they're like most cornerbacks, new guys come in, Jalen Ramsey, Stefan Gilmore, Marlon Humphreys, and take that thrown away from you, Jair Alexander. And then they take the thrown away. And then these other cornerbacks who four or five years ago were the shutdown cornerbacks, they start to regress. So just make sure you're keeping an eye on that. These matchups are not nearly as bad as they used to be against Slay, against Xavier Rhodes. Tyler Boyd against Jacksonville. Tyler Boyd's gonna have a very beneficial matchup. Oh, actually. Auden Tate will have the beneficial matchup for the Bengals on the outside. Tyler Boyd's going to be in the slot with a somewhat decent or somewhat okay matchup, especially when you factor in his volume right now for Tyler Boyd of exactly 9.8 targets per game. Um, It's just a very good volume volume spot for him, and I'm just trying to pull up right now because I don't have my other screen. Um, Tyler Boyd's matchup is going to be against a guy who in 155 snaps has only given up 11 catches for 91 yards. Obviously, Tyler Boyd has a lot of upside. He's not going to be followed by Marlon Humphreys in the slot this week. So I think he has upside there. But Auden Tate's matchup on the outside um, against Trey Herndon. Yeah, Trey Herndon has given up 15 catches for 232 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, And Auden Tate pretty much just in four full games this year already has eight red zone targets. Uh, I like that spot for Auden Tate. I get it. Oh, you're going to go back to Auden Tate? Go look at the highlight reel of Auden Tate. All of his catches last week. He was just mossing guys left and right. He was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Keenan Allen's fine if you want to get to him. Hunter Henry there is going to cap his ceiling. Melvin Gordon back is going to cap his ceiling, but he's not priced at his ceiling price point in the 7Ks anymore. He's completely fine. I do think he's viable, especially when the top end of wide receivers is pretty much Cooper Cup for me. Then I don't have much more interest up there, to be honest with you. Uh, I think A.J. Brown is too cheap. I think A.J. Brown is taking over the number two job from Tay- uh, Sharp, Tejan Sharp, whatever it is. Um, I said that game, guy's name like he was um, like Chinese or, or Japanese, but he's not. Uh, Tajay Sharp, I believe it is pronounced. Uh, he's been taking over that role. He has a ton of air yards. He's going to be out there more. Yes, you have a new quarterback. That quarterback targeted Corey Davis five times. I think they only accounted four, but the fifth one was in Corey Davis's uh, vicinity. It was just intercepted by Ryan Tannehill. But I think A.J. Brown has upside at $3,800 for a guy seeing a ton of air yards. Alan Lazard for the Packers. If there's no Devontae, I don't expect there to be. If there's no Geronimo Allison, I don't expect there to be. They signed Ryan Grant. He's only going to have two days to practice. Alan Lazard is probably going to be the number two primary receiver behind MVS. I think he jumps Jake Kumru. I think he jumps Darius Shepard. He did enough in one quarter on 11 routes run on 17 snaps to catch five balls, score a touchdown. He did enough. Ran four of those 11 routes out of the slot. I do like Alan Lazard if all these guys are out. Uh, Calvin Ridley, I like a lot more now that Julio Jones is going to be covered by Jalen Ramsey. All this news right now in these trades. Calvin Ridley, I prefer Calvin Ridley than Austin Hooper in my stacks of Atlanta. I don't really want Julio at that price in that matchup. I don't really want Sanu in the slot against Robbie Coleman. Although Sanu has 60 pounds and six inches on Robbie Coleman, I just don't think the upside is there. And Coleman's a very good coverage slot cornerback. Not very good, but above average. I wouldn't say very good, but above average. Uh, Kyler Lockett, I don't have any interest. Tyler Lockett, like I mentioned when I was talking about Russell Wilson, is going to be followed into the slot by Marlon Humphreys, who just absolutely shut down Tyler Boyd. Three catches for 10 yards on a ton of targets last week. Marlon Humphreys will continue to do that. Um, It's just not going to be a good spot. If anything from Seattle, 
in the receiving game, it's DK Metcalf. Will Disley's gone. Tyler Lockett, I don't like. We talked about Chris Carson already. It's DK Metcalf, but even then it's very meh. He's a one-trick pony for the most part. He'll run seams up the left sideline. If Jimmy Smith is back, that's even worse of a matchup for him. Again, coming off an injury, it's not the same Jimmy Smith like we were saying with these other guys, but it's still going to be okay. All right, tight end to finish it up. George Kittle. I mean, tight end's very easy. It's just depending on which, um, not easy, but it's easy to discuss because it really just depends on how much money you want to spend. I prefer Evan Ingram over George Kittle. I think Kittle, even if you have Jimmy G only throwing 28 times, still sees about seven targets, maybe even eight. Like he's seeing 26% of the team's target share. More times than not, if, you, if Jimmy G throws 28 times, I mean, you see seven to eight targets for George Kittle. It's a good spot against Washington if you want to pay for it. Evan Ingram, obviously everybody wants to jump on the train against Arizona. It's a real train. Evan Ingram is a very good tight end. If you want to pay for it, it's completely fine. There's nothing bad to say about Evan Ingram's slate leading for tight ends, 9.6 targets per game. There's nothing bad to say about Evan Ingram's six red zone targets, even after missing a couple of games. Um, uh, that's tied for second on the slate at six. I like it. Austin Hooper is a guy in a mid in a weird range where there's cheap guys in the 4K range, and then there's Austin Hooper at 5,300, whose price point only comes up $300. After being right now, I believe, the number one tight end in fantasy, catching the ball on 84% of his targets, increasing his career pace of about 80%, seeing 8.3 targets per game. And now he's, he's generating a 4.2 separation, which is one of the best ones on this slate, especially when you have a higher sample size. It's definitely one of the best ones out of these top end tight ends. He's getting open. Julio Jones is now going to be, have a really tough matchup. Uh, Calvin really has a fantastic matchup on the opposite side which we could talk about against Hill, who's a backup cornerback, journeyman cornerback. So we already talked about that. I prefer Hidley than Hooper. Uh, Darren Waller. Um, yeah, all these guys I like. Darren Waller, Grinch Green Bay coming off the bye. Darren Waller, no Tyrell Williams, I imagine. Darren Waller just signs this huge extension. Darren Waller seeing 8.4 targets per game, catching 88% of his targets on the field for 90% of his snaps. He is leading all tight ends outside of May- or Kyle Rudolph, who Kyle Rudolph is not really being used in the passing game. Outside of Kyle Rudolph, he's leading all tight ends and snaps at 90% on this slate. Really like him. Hunter Henry at $4,000 is too cheap against Tennessee. Tennessee has not played a lot of very quality tight ends. Austin Hooper caught nine balls for 130 yards against them. And Joku had a couple of catches for 47 yards in the touchdown. Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle combined for 50 plus yards in the touchdown. These are average. Njoku may be slightly above average, but average, I'll just say. Uh, Ebron, Jack Doyle, average tight ends. The only good tight end went for 9 and 130 in Hooper, who's lighting everybody up. But now you have Hunter Henry, a good tight end coming in there at $4,000. Too cheap. Mark Andrews, if there's no Hollywood Brown, too cheap. Mark Andrews is leading the slate in air yards per target. $4,900 is very good for that. Um, What I will say is that I know I have six guys and I usually have six guys on my final thoughts listed as a yes. Tight end is all over the place. There's a lot of ownership coming in on Mark Andrews. There's a lot of ownership coming in on Darren Waller because they're cheap. Evan Ingram not having as much as you would expect. George Kittle has like no ownership right now. Hooper has a lot. Um, Hunter Henry has a decent amount as well. They're all going to be owned. Just pick the one that you like the most. I don't know where that is for me yet. I don't build lineups until really Friday, Saturday for the most part, and then really start to dig into it deeper. And then on the Sunday show on Patreon, we'll, we'll finish it out and talk about um, where I'm exactly at with my lineup construction. But if I had to fit, hit fire reaction right now, I'm probably going to find myself in the Darren Waller, Austin Hooper range a lot. I get it. Evan Ingram's in a great matchup, but he's also 6,500. And I could save $2,000 pretty much by going to uh, Darren Waller who I think will have just as much upside in my opinion. So Luke Wilson, I also think is interesting at $3,000. We'll see how he's implemented into the offense. Probably runs about 20 routes. I think you can do better, but he is cheap. So that's it. I'll put it back on the target offense sheet. Thank you for the people listening on the audio experience. If you have the time to just five-star review, I greatly appreciate that. You can follow me on Twitter at SalVetriDFS. Patreon uh, is linked up down below. You can check that out for exclusive content. NBA content will be releasing in November. 
I appreciate it. If you hit the subscribe button, we're going to hit 13,000 subscribers likely by the end of this week. Quicker we get there, honestly, just why not the better. So thank you. Appreciate you tuning into this YouTube video. Uh, let me know how you feel about it in the descriptions below. Uh, let me know where you're heavily going and really let me know tight end. If you're still listening to this, um, let me know tight end. Who do you think is your guy? There's just so many options, right? And different price ranges it really dictates how you build your lineup. So thank you. My name's Sal. Hey, you already know that. Hit the subscribe button. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you can please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.